Hello, welcome to the podcast of Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury. We meet every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. in Southern York County, Pennsylvania. You can join our morning live stream on Facebook or YouTube. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury. You can find more information about us at gfcshrewsbury.org. We are so excited to bring you this message today, and it is our hope that you will come to know and believe Jesus Christ more fully through it. Um, Now we are going to turn our attention to the Word of God uh, and continue our, our journey in John. That's probably not a surprise that shouldn't be a surprise to any of us if, if you've been with us at all in 2021. We've been in a journey through John. So we're going to keep going through that uh, this morning. Before we dive into today's passage, though, I want to just back up and give us a, a glimpse of where we are o- overall. Way back in January when we started this journey, Pastor Jeff led us through several things to introduce us to the Gospel of John. One of them he, he talked about was the shape of the Gospel and that there's four sections, and two of those sections are really short at the beginning and the end, but the main bulk of the gospel is made up of two major chunks. One is the book of signs, and that's what we've been walking through um, ever since then. Ever since we finished with that introduction, since January, we've been walking through this book of signs, and then the the second major chunk of John is coming up. Uh, We'll be heading into that in just about two, three weeks. But the book of signs that we've been walking through, why is it called that? This is the part of John's gospel where he talks about Jesus' public ministry. And and Jesus, uh, he teaches the crowds. He he has dialogues with individual people who who are questioning him and interested in who he is and trying to figure this out. But the uh, the major thing as we walk through John's gospel so far is we've seen these signs. And John has picked out seven major signs that Jesus did to show that he was the Messiah to show all of us that he was the Son of God. And so John, when, when he talked about Jesus changing the water to wine, he, he said this is the first major sign. And, and then Jesus healed a nobleman's son, and, and John tells us this is, this is Jesus' second sign. And then after that, he figures we can count for ourselves. <laughs> and, and, and so the, the third sign was Jesus healing a, le, a, a lame man at a pool in Bethesda. And then Jesus fed the 5,000, and then Jesus walked on water. And a few weeks ago, we talked about Jesus healing the blind man, sign number six. And now we come to sign number seven. It's the final major sign that, Jesus, that John is going to tell us about. Seven is a really significant number, number of completion. Seven shows up in the Bible. It's super important, so pay attention. Sit forward. This is the seventh sign. This better be a good one. This better top all the others. It does. See, the signs so far have told us Jesus has power over illness, has power over sickness, has power over creation, has power over nature, has power to provide. But does he have power over death? I mean, that's the final. If he can defeat everything else but can't defeat death, what good is he? (laughs) But the seventh sign, the final sign, this is the top of them all. (laughs) The raising of Lazarus from the dead. All right, so that's what we're walking through this morning. You say, I've heard this before. I know you have. We're going to hear it again. <laughs> Today's going to be a little different. I'm not going to be, uh, maybe you noticed I wasn't the only name up on the, the screen. I'm going to be joined in a little bit by Zach Vincent. He's usually across the hall on a Sunday, teaching some of my kids and some of your kids maybe, and, and we get the gift of having Zach with us this morning to, uh, as we learn from God's Word together. Yeah, you can applaud that. I'll welcome up 
I'll welcome him in just a minute, but I'm going to pray for our time, and then we're going to dive into the beginning of God's word together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the ways you have shown up here this morning already. We thank you that in you there is hope in every circumstance, in every situation. Illness, sickness, lack, death. There's hope in all of it. God, I lift up to you anyone here who's lost hope who doesn't know where hope is found, may they find it in you today, Jesus. May all of us get a fresh reminder. Get so used to this. We've heard this before. Jesus, wake us up to hear it again. We need the hope, the freedom, the life that is found only in you, Jesus. I need that today. Speak to us about that, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So we're going to be in John Chapter 11, starting in verse 1, it says this, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So John is telling us about this time where Mary anointed Jesus' feet and and wiped his feet with her hair. Here's the thing, John hasn't told us about that yet. He's going to, this is going to happen in chapter 12, we haven't gotten there yet. Why... So, so you read this the first time, you're like, John, why are you ta- I, I don't know, even wait, know what you're talking about. He knows that. <laughs> but John says, listen, I know you're going to read this again. <laughs> so the second time you come here, and the third, and the fourth, and the fifth, and the thirtieth, here's who this Mary is. <laughs> See, there's this, I've, I've said this before, but there's this assumption that John makes, there's this assumption God makes, that we're not going to read all this stuff just once. The Bible is made to read again and again and again and again and again for our entire life. It's a living and active word. Are you reading it again and again and again? Not just here on, are you reading it again and again and again and again? Because God has more to reveal to us about himself every time we dive in. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said the illness does not lead to death. That's good news. It's for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And, and if you're paying attention, you, this might sound a little bit familiar because Jesus said something like this, a little bit like this before. Back when he healed the blind man in, in chapter 9, he comes across the blind man. The disciples ask him, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? that he was born blind, and Jesus said, no, 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 it's not, the, it's not that. His blindness is for the glory of God. It's that the works of God might be revealed. And so Jesus says the same thing about this sickness. This sickness is that the glory of God might be revealed. We're going to see another couple similarities to what Jesus said then, too, in a minute. But, but here's what John says next. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. And so John, before he goes on, he's going to give us the context to everything he follows. He says, everything I'm about to tell you, listen, it might not all make sense to you. It it might not make sense what Jesus is doing or is going to do. You might not understand why he says certain things, why he does certain things, why the, why the people you're reading about have to go through this. But, but John says, let me give you the context for everything you're about to read. Jesus loved them. Jesus loved them. Listen, let me, I don't know what you're walking through right now, but life can get, get pretty confusing and chaotic, right? can't it? 
You, you can walk through your life and you wonder, why, why is this going on in my life? And, and not just my life, why is this going on in everybody else's life? Why is the world as nuts as it is right now? Why is this chaos going on? I, 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 don't, know, I don't know why it's happening. I don't know what it's going to lead to. I don't know, uh, I don't know what it all means. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> but let me tell you one thing. Let me tell you the context of everything. The context of it all, the context of everything in your life is this, Jesus loves you. I don't know what it all means. I don't know what it's all, all going to lead to, but you, you got to get this. Even though you're not going to understand everything, Jesus loves you in the midst of all of this. And then John goes on. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? So, so listen, the disciples say, we forget this. We skip right on to the resurrection of, uh, of Lazarus. And we're worried about Mary and, and Martha. And we're going to hear about them shortly. But listen, there is this danger that lingers over this entire passage. So, so the disciples say, Jesus, they were just about to stone you. This is what we saw last week. And John, ever since chapter 5, has been telling us people are persecuting Jesus and trying to arrest him. They're seeking to kill him. He's tried to be, people have tried to stone him twice. And it's all happened. All of that has happened in Judea. And now Jesus is going back there into the lion's den. And in a few minutes, we're going to see Mary and Martha. They're going to, they're going to wonder why Jesus didn't come sooner. That's not why the what the disciples are wondering. They're wondering why Jesus is going at all. Jesus, why are you going into this place of danger? Do you know what this could cost? Do you know the sacrifice? Do you know you might have to lay down your life? He knows. We wonder sometimes. We hold back. We say, Jesus, do you, do you know where? Do you want me to go there? Into that place of danger? Into that place where there's no guarantees? He says, Yes. That's the place I have for you. That's the place I'm going. Jesus says this, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. And, and, and back with the blind man, Jesus, Jesus said to his disciples, I'm the light of the world. So let's work the works of God while the light's in the world. He says, I'm the light to work by. You know what he says here? I'm the light to walk by. So yeah, I, I know we've, we've got works to do. We've got ministry to do as we follow God. But every step of the way, Jesus is the light for us. And he says, if you're with me, you're not going to stumble. It's like walking in the daytime. You go out walking in the daytime, you don't have to worry about tripping. Most of us, as we get older, maybe some of us do. Yeah, I've tripped in broad daylight, but, but Jesus, you know, he's not talking about those times. He's talking about when you walk in broad daylight, you can see everything ahead of you. You don't need to worry about stumbling. You just walk. He says, that's what it's like with me. Here's the best news. That's what it's like with when the light is, what does he say, in him. The light's in you. Do you know what that means? That means however dark it is around you, doesn't matter if the light's in you. However dark it gets in your circumstances, you don't have to worry about stumbling if the light's in you. If you're with Jesus Christ, that's good news because it's going to get dark. It's going to get dark. 
Look at this. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said, Lord, if, if he's fallen asleep, he'll recover. We don't have to go. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to him, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. (laughs) And, and, And Thomas might be, we think he's being overly dramatic here. You know what? We're so hard on these disciples when they run from Jesus later on, right? But look, Look at this. They, they are walking into what they, they think might be certain death. And they go. Let's applaud their courage in this moment. They're walking to a place where Jesus was nearly stoned and they're, the, they're known as the followers. This is a dangerous place they're walking into. And they go anyway. You know what? Ultimately, they're right. Thomas says, like... Listen, Jesus, do you know how dangerous this is where you're going? The disciples were saying, do you know you might have to lay down your life? That's great, you want to help Lazarus. Do you know you might have to lay it down? Ultimately, they're right. Jesus says, I'm going to lay down my life. Not just so that Lazarus might have life, but so that everybody might have life. I'm going to invite Zach up now as he talks through Martha and Mary. But here's the thing. Jesus is heading to Judea, and he's never going to leave. Lord, we're so close to the end, guys. We're only halfway through John. We're so close to the end because he goes to Judea, and he never leaves. It's a triumphal entry in a few chapters. It's the cross a few chapters later. It's a dangerous place he's walking into. It's a dark place, but he's the light. Zach. Good morning, Grace. It's an honor to be with you today. Um, As Ben said, my name is Zach Vincent. I get to serve in Grace Kids. I get to serve, I have been serving at Grace Kids for five years. And before that, I've been working with Next Generation Ministries for almost 15 years. Yes. I love working with young people. I love seeing Jesus come alive in young people. But the number one question I get asked, number one question is, what's your favorite age to work with? What is it? And officially, I don't have a favorite. (laughs) Officially. But my favorite group of kids to work with is kids grades five through eight. And I'll tell you why. Because they're awkward. (laughs) They're so awkward. And they're my people. (laughs) They are my people because I am the most awkward person on the face of the earth. I I was uh, the kid growing up that people had silent communication for. It was a combination of, I can't believe he just said that, and do you have any idea what he's talking about? (laughs) It looked something like this. 
Uh, I'll never forget this time. I was at my uh, brother's uh, for my nephew's christening, and and my my sister-in-law's sister came out with this beautiful dress, elegant, fancy, and in my mind, I'm thinking we just did prodigal clown, in, in for our summer musical camp. And I wanted the audience members to be like in the 1920s. So when they went out, they dressed their Sunday best, right? And, and, and I, I was thinking that how it came out was something different entirely. I said, oh, I love that dress. We just did a play about a circus. Not how it turned out, it was messy, it was awkward. I remember I was in college, I was part of a team that went into uh, schools to talk about abstinence, nothing awkward there. <laughs> and and, and I, I, I would go and fear, fill up a jar of water so that, uh, so that we can use it for a demonstration. Well, the teacher, I asked the teacher where the bathroom was. She said, down the hall to the left. So I go down the hall to the left. Some of you know exactly where this is going. So I fill up the water. I figure, well, I'm in here. I go into the other room, only stalls. Thank God no one was in there. It was awkward. It was messy. I, I remember this other time. I, I was teaching. It was at the end of the day, bus dismissal. And this, this girl was walking, and she just stops. She just stops. Blank stare, blank expression. Nothing going on. She, 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 suddenly she snaps out of it and says, hey, kiddo, are you okay? She says, oh, yeah, I'm fine. I just had a flashback. What do you say? What do you do? It's messy. It's awkward. I, re I remember uh, there was a group of boys before they went home. They didn't want to go home because their parents fought all the time. What do you say? What do you do? It's messy. It's awkward. You wonder why. You look at these things that contradict what you know and believe. And I, I, I have a term for this. It's called God's awkward moments. And it's a, when our worldview and our present circumstance conflict with one another. Let me say that again. Where our worldview and our present circumstances conflict with one another. God, I know you're good. I know you're a provider. But I can't 
feed my family. I've lost my job. God, I know that you're good, but my family's falling apart. God, I know that you're good, but I'm struggling with depression and anxiety. God, I know that you're good, but uh, my life is falling apart. What do you say? As Ben, as Pastor Ben so beautifully put, the, the disciples had a choice. They could walk in dark. They can. They were could either walk in darkness, or walk in light. And we're going to see that as we get into the story of Mary and Martha. So let's, let's, let's get started. Beginning in uh, verse, uh, verse uh, 17. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already, excuse me, already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to come to console them concerning their brother. So Martha heard that Jesus was coming, and she went out and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Can anyone blame Mary? Can any, I mean, seriously, can anyone blame Mary? She was God's girl. She sat at Jesus' feet. She chose the better, the better thing. And what she expected, when she sent the messengers, when she sent the prayers, that Jesus would drop everything and come to her rescue. And when he didn't, she, she felt hurt. She felt disappointed. She... She didn't know what to say. She didn't know what to do. She didn't know how to feel. Have we been there? And what do we do? What do I do? Well, I do what Mary did. I bury it. I make a crack in my foundation. I don't want to see it. I know exactly what Mary was uh, feeling because if Mary saw Jesus, she'd have to deal with her feelings, deal with her hurt, deal with her pain. If she didn't see him, uh, she wouldn't have to deal with it. She wouldn't have to feel it. She wouldn't have to acknowledge it. So like so many of us, she buries it deep inside. She buries it more uh, in the deep recesses of her soul. The problem is it's, it's like a weed. It just pops right back up, and she keeps pushing it down. Pops right up, pushes it down. Pops right up, pushes it down. And more, the more she pushes down, the more she tries 
to distance herself from the pain, the more she shoves it into the crack of her foundation, other things start popping up. Other emotions, other issues. This isn't just a spiritual, a, a psychologist in a 2018 article, Hilary Hendel writes this, emotions have an energy that pushes up for expressions. And to tamp them down, our minds and our bodies create tactics, including muscular constriction and holding our breath. Symptoms are like anxiety and depression, which are on the rise in the U.S., can stem from the way we deal with these underlining, automatic, hardwired survival emotions, which are biological forces that should not be ignored. When the mind thwarts the flow of our, our emotions, or when our minds uh, push things down, because they are too overwhelming or too conflicting, it puts stress on the mind and the body, creating psychological distress and symptoms. Emotional stress, like that from blocked emotions, has not only been linked to mental ills, but also physical problems, like heart disease, intestinal problems, headaches, insomnia, autoimmune disorders, it comes out in other ways. But I think the greatest symptom that we can experience is a relational distance. Not only horizontally, but also vertically. There's a, there's a, a term in weathering. It's called freeze-thaw. And I just I learned about this the other day. It's so when there's a crack in a rock. So I have two rocks here. Freeze thaw is this. The water gets in the crack and then it freezes. The power of water, the power of life, the power of circumstances gets in that crack that we hid our hurt our pain in and it freezes and what happens the crack gets bigger because the water expands oh God, Zach I, I still go to church I still go to house church I still have community yeah the water doesn't stay frozen it thaws it uh, flows out of the, the crack but more water gets in, but this time deeper. And it freezes, and it freezes, and it freezes, and suddenly there's two rocks. The crack has severed the relationship, and the waters of life take us far away from our foundation.
the foundation of the light, the foundation of Christ. We see a glimpse of all what Mary experienced. We saw but maybe 10 minutes. What if that crack never was repaired? Could it be that years after the same woman who sat at the foot of Jesus wants nothing to do with him? Have we made cracks? Have we buried things that need to be released? But then there's Martha. Martha. Martha, Martha, Martha. <laughs> she, she's unlike the Proverbs 31 wife, right? She, she's got it all together. She's in 10 different Bible studies. She's in the choir and at the praise band. She's in kids' ministry. She's in youth ministry. She's in the food pantry. She teaches uh, kids after school. I mean, she's got it together. And she doesn't get it. She doesn't get it. Listen to, listen to this. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Keep that in mind for later. But even now, I know whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. That's great truth. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She says to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of a God who is coming into the world. See, Martha is like each of us. Martha is like those of us who think we have to have it all together. Oh yes, she'll admit that she's broken. We have no problem uh, admitting that we're broken. I'm broken in need of grace. I'm broken in need of Jesus. That's all true. She's speaking truth. But uh, when we, we want Jesus close to us, what do we do? We put our arm out. We hold him at bay. Jesus, I, I know I'm broken, but, but can you just don't get too close? Don't, don't, I don't want this, you to see me vulnerable. I don't want you to see me devastated. I don't want you to see me that broken. So what does Mary do? Yes, I'm, I'm broken, Jesus, but I'm fine. I'm fine. Can I be honest with you? I hate those two words. I'm fine. Because uh, what I'm fine uh, 
means so I'm gonna just push my arm out. Don't get too near. We do that all the time. How many relationships have ended with, I'm fine. How many marriages have ended with, I'm fine. How many people have walked away from faith because I'm fine. One of my favorite passages of scripture is Psalms 34, 34, 18. It says, God is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. God can do the impossible but he desires closeness. I love hugs. I, I'm a hugger. That's how I show love. That's uh, how I show you're my family. You're my family, and I'm going to protect you. Ain't no one going to mess with my family. And I tell my students all the time that I think the best hugs that ever are given are from mothers. Mom hugs are the absolute best. And of course they agree with me. Because <laughs> mom hugs are the best. This isn't rocket science. Mom's hugs are the best. But I tell them, you know how close your mom can get to you when you get hugged by your mother? God can get even closer. But here's the thing. We have to let him. I love Jesus' response to Martha. Because uh, Martha, she still has a guard up. She, she goes uh, back to Sunday school theology. And I love Jesus. He meets her where, where she's at. I'm, I'm going to meet you where you're at, Martha. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to show you truth. I'm going to show you who I am. I'm going to show you what, what, I'm going, what, what I'm going to do. I'm going to meet you where you're at, but I want so much more. I want, to, I want to draw closer to you than you ever thought possible. Will you put your arm down? Will we put our arm down? And of course, we're wondering what's happening to Mary. So when she had said this, she being Martha, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. I love this. I love this. Even when we have a relational separateness, even uh, though we have distanced ourselves, 
from who, who God is, he's still pursuing us. He's still pursuing us in our darkness. And Martha runs to Mary and says, he still wants you. He still wants you even though you have questions. He still wants you even though you're hurting. He still wants you. And when she, Mary, heard it, she arose quickly and went to him. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And uh, he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Did you catch that? Did you catch all what Mary said? Word for word. She said the exact same thing that Martha just started to say. But she was real. She was raw. Jesus, I'm hurt. I don't get this. Why did you let this happen? She was real. Now, I, 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 need to, I need to put a disclaimer here because we can get into pragmatic theology where, where we can say, God, if I'm just open and honest with you, I get exactly what I want. No. Tell that to Job. <laughs> Tell that to Paul. Three times. I asked for the Lord to take this hour from me, and he said, my grace is sufficient for, for you. So what, what, what was different? What did, what did Mary do? Did Mary do anything? Mary didn't cause Jesus to do anything. He wasn't already going to do in the first place. But what she did by her rawness, by her willingness to share her hurt, she postured herself under the authority of Jesus for Jesus to allow her to participate in what he was already planning to do. I was a weird child growing up. I was a very weird child growing up, five uh, through seven. I loved helping my dad cut the grass. He would push the top, I would push beneath him. I loved it. If I were to say to dad, hey dad, can I help you cut the grass today? I didn't cause my dad to say, you know son, it's a good idea. I think I'll cut the grass today. But what I did was I postured on myself to allow my, God, my dad to say, son, I want you to participate with me. That's exactly what Mary did. 
I truly believe that God is looking for a people who wants to cut grass with their father. So what do, what do they do? Well, they go to the gra grave. They go to the grave. They get to the gravesite and Jesus says, that, take away the stone. Martha, Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time uh, there will be his odor, for he has been dead four days. God, don't, don't un uncover the hurt. Don't uncover the pain. Don't uncover the things that I've tried to hide from you. It's been in the ground. It's buried. I don't want to deal with it. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? What is Jesus saying here? What, what, what is Jesus doing here? He's saying, Martha, what you put in the grave, I'm not finished yet. I'm not done with that yet. What have we put in the grave? What have I put in the grave? What is my awkward moment? My awkward moment is, God, why, why, why did you allow the CP? Why did you allow years of suffering, of rejection, of pain? God, this is awkward. This is messy. This is uncomfortable. Listen to what Jesus says. And Jesus lifts up his eyes and says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you will always hear me, but I say this on account of people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. What came out of uh, my grave is for his glory. My CP that I, I try to hide, I try to hide the, hide the pain, Jesus is a using to speak into students' lives. God is using to speak into lives because I can't hide my challenges. What a mighty battling ram that is. What's in your grave? Is it a broken relationship? As Ben comes uh, back up, as, uh, what, what's in your grave? Is it a relational tension? What's in your grave? Is it uh, finances? What's in your grave? Is it a wayward child? What's in your grave? Is it your faith? What's in our grave? It's a really good question. Where have we said the story's done 
And Jesus says, no, it isn't. Mm. Because ultimately, that's what this is about. But let's not, let's not forget one thing. Like, this has application for us today emotionally, relationally, as Zach was saying, in so many areas of our lives. And it has application physically. Mm. Like, let's, let's not forget this was an actual, literal death. And if Jesus Christ can defeat death, he can defeat anything in our lives. That's why he, he says to Mary right here, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? He says the story's not done yet. The story's not done till when? The story's not done till you see the glory of God. That's why we, we end up putting things in the grave like, like Zach said. We end up allowing things to separate us from God because we think they're done. We allow us to separate from them. And, and, and we think there's nothing left for God to do here. And, and, and Jesus would say to us, until you see the glory of God in this situation, I'm not done. Mm-hmm. You know when he said that? He said that to, to he said that to Mary and Martha from a distance, way back when the messenger first came. The messenger said, Lazarus, you're sick. And, and, and you know what Jesus said? Jesus says this, this sickness does not end in death. This sickness, he said, does not lead to death. And, and, and I imagine the messenger taking that message and running back to Martha and Mary. And, and maybe he got, we don't know for sure, but maybe that messenger got back before Lazarus died. And, and, and they're anxious for that messenger and he comes and he says to Martha and Mary listen here's what the master said this illness does not lead to death now, now what would we do if we receive that message like can you imagine Martha and Mary holding on to that no matter how bad this gets this doesn't lead to death doesn't, doesn't matter how, how bad Lazarus coughs is doesn't matter how pale and thin and worn he looks doesn't matter how much blood he's coughed up this does not lead to death because jesus said so and then lazarus dies talk about an awkward moment like that's it's no wonder mary that's that's what put martha and mary in this place that zach led us through that zach said we can get there too because in the face of jesus said this and this happened Jesus, you said this did not lead to death. I hear this and I say, you know what I hear is I hear Jesus saying like, don't be afraid. Your worst case scenario isn't going to happen. Like what a relief, right? Because we, we, we just want to be able to avoid our worst case scenario. And I, I think a lot of us have taken that message that that's what Christianity is. It, it'll prevent our worst case scenario. And we love being able to avoid our worst case scenarios. You remember that there's a series of books ways back worst case scenario it was really popular yellow cover black writing and it walked us through all these worst case scenarios like if you are on the edge of death if you're in quicksand and you're sinking in quicksand here's how to escape quicksand here's how to dodge gunfire you're attacked by a shark here's here's how to get out of that situation your parachute doesn't open here's how to rescue yourself like it tells us all these worst case scenarios and here's how to get out of it you know what you know what is not in that worst case scenario book death like like the whole point of that book is to avoid death. There is no thing after death. It's done. It's over. And Jesus comes and into this situation where Lazarus has died and the worst case scenario happened because Jesus said this illness wouldn't lead to death, but he never said the illness wouldn't lead through death. See, and sometimes we think Christianity is, is, is our way to escape our worst case 
scenario. And I think Jesus would say to us, listen, he didn't come to say, uh, say to us, this is, your life is not going to end up in your worst case scenario. He just came to tell us that's not the end of the story. Our worst case scenario isn't the end of the story. And, and, and so that's when he comes back to Mary and Martha in this situation. And, and that's what he says to Martha I am the resurrection and the life. He says, I'm the Lord of your worst case scenario. And I'm the Lord to prove that the worst case scenario is not the end. Look, he says, whoever believes in me, though he die, though your worst case scenario happens, some of you, your worst case scenario happened. Somebody died. Somebody precious to you. A child, a parent, a brother, sister, a friend. You've gone through the worst case scenario. What good is Jesus in that? What good is Jesus? Because there's nothing after that, right? What good is Jesus then? Jesus says, I am the Lord, even in the worst case scenarios. This is not the end. Even though he die and the worst happens, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And he says to Martha, do you believe this? And that's the question he would pose to us. Do you believe this, that I'm the Lord, even in your worst case scenario, even in your awkward moments, and because I'm Lord of this, this is not the end of the story? See, because Jesus has a worst case scenario too. Do you know that? Jesus has a worst case scenario. I think he talked about a little earlier in this passage. He said to the disciples, listen, Lazarus has died. Your worst case scenario, it happened. But then he says this, and for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there. What? So that you may believe. Mm. So that you may believe because Jesus' worst case scenario isn't death. He can take care of death as easy as you can wake somebody up from sleep. Jesus' worst case scenario is unbelief because he is the resurrection and the life. And it's only through belief in him that we experience that resurrection and life. You know, he, he, he didn't just say resurrection is something I give. Life is something I can give. He says, that's who I am. I am the resurrection and the life. That's an aspect as, as you are in relationship with me. You experience resurrection and life. And this was good news because there was one more worst case scenario coming for the disciples. And it wasn't Lazarus' death, it was Jesus. I mean, what do you do then? The one who said, I am the resurrection and the life, died. What good is Jesus then? He's in the grave. But he's still Lord. He's still Lord over all of it. Still Lord of the absolute worst case scenario. Not us in the grave, him in the grave. And he's still Lord. And the story isn't over, not by a long shot. There's another stone to roll away. And he walks on out of that grave to prove that death isn't the end of the story anymore. That he has more to say about it, and it's life, and it's resurrection, and we can experience it in him. And his question to us this morning is, do we believe? Mm. Yes. Do you believe? Yes. 
Martha responded to Jesus' question, do you believe? As broken as her response may have been, the words were right, Lord, yes, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. Right answer. What's your answer to the question this morning? Would you stand with me? We're going to sing and worship God, and I want this to be an answer if you believe to the question, do you believe he is the resurrection and the life? Because here's what we're going to sing. Death, Jesus couldn't hold you. The, The worst case scenario couldn't hold you. The veil tore before you. All our separation between God and ourselves was torn away because of him. The heavens, you silenced the boast of sin and grave and every worst case scenario, every awkward moment, Jesus silenced the boasts of all of it because he has the power. That's why the heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory, for you are raised to life again. Do you believe that he has no rival, no eagle, no rival and no eagle, and now and forever, now in whatever situation you're in, now and forever he reigns. Do you believe? Let's declare this in worship together. We hope you enjoyed this message. You can find more like it on our website under sermons. To keep up to date with our sermon series, hit the subscribe button in your podcast host and follow our social media pages. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury on the platform of your choice. If you're looking to connect with us further, then you can email us at connect at gfcshrewsbury.org. We will be back next week with another message. We hope to see you again soon.